You are now listening to sermon audio from International Christian Church. To learn more and get connected, you can visit our website at iccva.org. You know, last week I began the message talking about how I felt woefully inadequate to talk about what we were talking about. And uh, my wife, when I got home, she asked me, well, like, what did, you, what did you mean by saying that? Not that, you know, not, I've, I've taught from the pulpit many, many times. It's just something about the topic that we're going to talk about. Um, I, just, I just knew that, you know, especially with the scripture that we were going to tonight, that no matter what I say, no matter how much I say, no matter how I say it, um, it will not fully describe all there is to learn about the love of God. And we were here last week, we were in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, and we were talking about this everlasting love that God had. The Israelites were going to be, go into captivity for 70 years, and the Lord appeared to him from afar, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I have drawn you with loving kindness. And so we talked about that last week. You know, everlasting love, that's a powerful thing. You know, that's something that once God sets his love upon a, a people or a person, that love never changes. He might need to discipline you from time to time, but you cannot diminish God's love for those that are his. We can run from that love. We can turn our back on that love. We can reject that love, but God's love never decreases. It's everlasting from beginning to end, from eternity to now. It is always there. And we talked about the purpose of that love was to draw us. That's the whole point of this. With loving kindness, I'm drawing you to myself. God desires that for all of us. It doesn't matter if you don't believe in him at all. And you're his child. He's drawing you. He's He's trying to orchestrate the events in your life to bring you closer to himself and receive him. For you that are his child and you're close to him, there's nothing more better that God could do for you than draw you even closer and love you even more and that you would feel that even more profound ways. And for the children of God who are astray a little bit, they are still growing in their faith and they've backslid a little bit or, you know, gone a different direction. God is God is tenderly drawing us to himself with what's called loving kindness. And so that was what we talked about last week and how I felt so inadequate teaching about that because, again, I I knew where we were going to be tonight. And so I just wanted to encourage you what we could see from last week through all of our hurt and pain. God draws us to himself with his love. God is able to orchestrate all of our life, every, every event, before we knew him, before, you know, we were in our rebellious ways and maybe some things happened to us because of mankind is very evil and we could have experienced evil in a lot of different ways. And God has been trying his best to plan out and orchestrate things in our life to bring us to a place where we would receive him. And so tonight we're going to just be encouraged along those lines to, to experience the greatness of his love. That's really the encouragement tonight. It's all I can really do is just encourage you to turn to him and receive the love that he has for you. 
And so that was what I meant partly by the statement that I had last week. And when I think about myself and I think about my life before I came to Christ, and I, I think about some of the things that I was doing or how I was thinking, how I, I was living, you know, I really think about what God d- did for me, and it, it really makes me speechless. Like, I, I really don't have, you know, a lot of rhyme or reason why God would set his hand upon my life because I didn't really have, and I still don't have, that much to offer him. And so when somebody tells me, you know, they don't think God is real or they don't think, you know, God loves them, and then I just, I think about my own life, and I said, yes, he loves you, because if he loved me, he could definitely love you. And so tonight we're just going to go deeper and dive deeper into that everlasting love and what that really looks like for us. And I'm going to just tell you again, the reason why I feel the way I feel is like no matter how many layers you peel back on the love of God, you never reach the extent of his love, meaning there's still always more to grow and receive and cherish. So to go in that direction, if you have a Bible or a Bible app or you just want to follow along with us, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 tonight, starting at verse 14. This is Apostle Paul talking to the church of Ephesus starting at verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints What is the breadth, length, and height, and depth? And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. So just a little bit of Apostle Paul, you know, this, the way this all started out, if, you know, if we read some of these verses prior to this, Paul was talking about this mystery. In verse 6, he relays what the mystery was. For even in the Old Testament, the mystery wasn't clear that God was eventually not going to just be dedicated strictly to one nation or one group of people, but God was going to be for the entire world. He was going to make both Gentiles, those that weren't Jewish and descendants, direct descendants of Abraham, and the rest of the world and Jews, he was going to bring them together And that was a great mystery, and it was revealed that Apostle Paul himself would be the person that God would use initially to do this, that he would bring this gospel not just to Jerusalem. He would go beyond that, outside of the walls of Jerusalem, all around the Mediterranean. And this is just one of the churches, Ephesus, which is in Turkey. And so this is just one of the places where Apostle Paul, the mystery was revealed that the gospel, the the message of God, the the hope that people can have wasn't going to be confined to just Israel. It was going to be for all people, tribes, and tongues, that everybody who would confess Jesus as Lord would be saved. And that's an amazing, amazing thing that was, again, we take it for granted because most of us aren't Jewish. So we have heard possibly portions of Scripture. We've heard the message. We know a little bit about Jesus. So therefore, we think this is something that has always been. And that's just not the case. 
It's only been since Jesus Christ died on the cross and this message through Apostle Paul initially was to go forth because all the other apostles mostly stayed in Jerusalem in the beginning. They stayed in Israel until they eventually ventured out. And so Apostle Paul was the man. He was the man that was charged with this great mystery to bring it forth to all the surrounding areas. And so when he says in, in verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, for the reason of the grand mystery that was given and revealed to him that he was going to be the one to carry the gospel out, outside of Israel to all the surrounding nations, this reason I bow my knees before the Father. So what starts off in verse 14 is really a long prayer and the prayer actually ends off with what's called a doxology, which is just a, a high praise of God. And I like to read this doxology because it's really powerful. It's not going to be projected, but it's verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so he concludes that section with a just amen, like, so let it be. And so we have, again, here a prayer. And he has a prayer for Gentiles, people that don't know God. And this prayer is powerful. And I want you to receive this prayer for yourself. The very first thing that he wants, or one of the things that he wants, is that he wants the people that are reading this or hearing this, they, he wants them to be rooted and grounded in God's love. Verse 16, his prayer is that he, Jesus, God, would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you be rooted and grounded in love. So for a Christian, for somebody that believes in Jesus, and again, this church, the people that he's writing to are believers in Christ and so if that's you and you're listening online or you're here, he's really saying this to you too. He's saying that for a Christian, you know, God's love is always available to you. It's always available to the Christian because God resides in them through the Holy Spirit. If you believe in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells in you. And therefore, if the Holy Spirit indwells in you, you do have the love of God within you. You might not be accessing it throughout the day. You might not be thinking about it throughout the day. You might be overcome with worry, doubt, and anxiety. You might be concerned about the worldly affairs, government, stimulus checks, children, cancer, all these other things. But the truth of the matter is, if you belong to God, God's love is yours through the Spirit. And that's part of his prayer, that he would grant you, according to riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power through his spirit and the inner man. He's praying for your strength here, and that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. You know, when, I, when we look at our lives, when we come to God, and I want to encourage you if you're online with us, you know, God wants to transform your life. You know, when we're in Christ, when Christ is dwelling in us, when we put our faith in Christ, he promises that he would make us a new creation. 
The old would be gone. The new would come. The spirit would come inside of us. We would think and act differently. We would behave differently. Our thoughts would become more like his thoughts. And so this is a very powerful thing that is available to every believer. There are not special believers. There are not, you know, those believers that are in a super class above all other believers. There are not believers that have it all together and the other believers don't. Everyone who is in Christ, everyone who's put their faith in Jesus, have access to the same Father, have access to the Spirit that lies inside of them, have the same Lord and Jesus. And so it's available. God's love is available to all of us. And so to have Christ richly dwell in our hearts is to have his word and his spirit filled in our lives. So when I said there is no super class of Christians, we're all on equal footing before God. Doesn't matter if you came from a Christian household or didn't. It doesn't matter if you were brought up, you know, and know a lot of the Bible, know a lot of those things. You know, those things help, but they don't set us apart. When we walk the walk of faith, our life of faith, what matters is what do I do with God's word? You know, am I filling my life, my spirit with God's word? Am I praying to God? You know, <laughs> When I say there's no super class of Christians, there, are a di- there is a difference between a Christian who spends time in God's word and prays to the mighty God day in and day out, who walks a close walk with God. There is a huge difference, but it's not because they were, they were more intelligent. It wasn't because they were more gifted. It was just because they were faithful. And I just want to encourage you today that God is not too far from any one of you. That if you would devote yourself to reading God's word and to praying to him, then you have access to everything that every saint who has ever lived has access to. That's what God promised. Jesus promised in John 14, 23. He said, Jesus said that he and the Father would come and make their home with everyone who loves him and keeps his word. That Jesus is going to come and he will make his home with you. He will be with you in the morning when you wake up and you, you're thinking about in your mind, I got a million things to do today. I am so busy. I'm stressed already. I just woke up. Would you spend a moment in God's word? I got a, a whole lot of problems, a lot of issues, and I got to get going as soon as I wake up. I got to drink a cup of coffee, and I got to get out the door. Could you spend a moment in prayer? Can you commune with your father? That's what he's praying here, is that, our lives, that Christ might dwell in our hearts through faith, yes, and that we be rooted and grounded in love. And that love is there. It's there for every believer. Everybody puts their faith. We can have access to that love through the Spirit. He uses two analogies here, two different metaphors, so to speak. Rooted like a tree and grounded like a building. Both of those things, the tree is relying on its root system to stabilize itself against every storm, against bad weather, against heat, drought, whatever. That tree is relying on its root system to sustain it. And a building is relying on its foundation that it's being built upon. Is that a strong foundation? 
Is that tree getting the nutrients it needs to sustain itself in the midst of storm and calamity? And so in that say, he's just saying that your hearts through faith and that you would be rooted and grounded in love. That you would have a foundation in Christ built on the love of God and you would be rooted in that. You would draw your nutrients from that. And you don't do it by your emotions. You do it by the word of God and through prayer. There's no fancy formula to what you ought to do with your life if you want to grow, grow closer to God and be close to him and feel the power of God in your life. There's no, there's no complicated formula. God gave you a book. That's all he gave you. He gave you the word of God. And then he gave you communication with him in prayer. So that's the first thing that he's praying for, that you be rooted and grounded in God's love. And my encouragement to you is God's love is not far from you if you are a believer. He's with you every single second of the day. And that you would be rooted and grounded in that love. The second part that we see here is that he wants us to begin to comprehend the vastness of God's love. Verse 18, that you might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth of this love. You know, this is just talking about the vastness of God's love. These aren't necessarily directions that we need to go. These aren't dimensions necessarily But notice what he says here, that I would want you to comprehend this with all the saints. You know, some people think that they don't need believers. They they can just live this Christian life all on their own. There's people that you are online with us right now, and you're like, I don't need church. I don't need to be in church. I can do this on my own. I can just worship God in my house. I could just worship God, you know, watching somebody on on whoever, I don't know who you watch. And that's not necessarily bad. But if somebody in their mind is thinking, I don't need church, I'm going to go ahead and just live this Christian life all on my own. That's not what he's saying here. For you to be able to comprehend God's love, yes, you can do it individually, but you also must do it corporately together with other believers. So when you think about this, that you ought to be in a, in a context of believers, I would encourage every one of you online to find that. Find a church. Google them. You don't need to, you know, back in the day you had to actually go into the church and you had to sit there for a couple weeks or a couple months. Go online. Google them. Read the reviews. Nothing wrong with that. Not all churches are the same, I'm sorry to say. But I'm not saying this is the best one out there, but it is the best one. I'm just saying it's not just the best one out there. You can definitely find a good church where you can grow and you can feel like you're part of something, an organism that is growing. And you can grow in your faith and you can be filled with God's love there. And that's what God is saying here, is that God, we're supposed to be filled with God's love so that we overflow into other people's lives. Does that make sense? You're supposed to have the love of God in you, and that love is supposed to permeate everything you do. Permeate to your husband or wife, permeate to your children, permeate to your your employees or employers, and permeate to your neighbors. It's supposed to go through you, not stay just in you. And what better place to do that within the context of church? 
You want to have God's love flowing in you and overflowing in you, then within a, all the saints that you have around you, your, your love will be able to manifest itself to others. So that when you're trying to comprehend the breadth, length, height, and depth of God's love, you will experience it as it flows through you. And it can happen. It can happen if, if you would open yourself up to the needs of others around you. Yes, I encourage you to do that in your neighborhood. And yes, I encourage you to do that at your work. And yes, I encourage you to do that to the poor that you might see. But in the context of church, it ought to be revealed that you care about people. You know, if we ever come back to the way church used to be, it should never be like just come in here, you, you get to a group of friends, and then you're gone. You should be looking all around and wondering and praying, God, who would you want me to bless today? Who could I talk to or who could I encourage? Who could I ask them how their life is going? Who could I share my life with? Who could I go out to lunch with this week? Who could I sit down for maybe a minute and just disciple? Maybe grab a cup of coffee. Maybe I could pray with them. There's a million things if you would just open your heart to what God could possibly do as his love flows in you and through you to someone else. And that would begin to understand what Apostle Paul is saying, is I want you to understand the vastness of God's love. But if you were to try to narrow it down, what he's possibly also thinking, when he says the breath of God's love, he could be meaning looking at the, how vast it is, looking at how God's love is not just for the Jews, but also the Gentiles, something that he covered in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 18. We could see that God's length is possibly talking about the length of, length of time from the, in chapter 1 when he's saying that he knew thus before the foundation of the world. Chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. When he's talking about the height, he could possibly be meaning blessed uh, when he blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And he raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When we look at the depth of God's love, we can look how far deep he went down to raise us up. While we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God redeemed us and called us to himself. So if you wanted to take it into physical dimensions, you could possibly. But basically what he's saying is the same thing. No matter where we were, God's love was there. No matter where we are, God's love is here. No matter where we'll be, and no matter what mistakes we possibly could be making in the future, God's love will be there too. And so when I think about that, it just is overwhelming. When I think about his everlasting love for me and how he chose me before while I was in my mother's womb. You know, while I was still just not even formed yet, God knew me and God loved me. That even when I was a rebellious kid and, you know, a teenager, that God's mercy and grace was upon me, that he could have judged me and taken me out, but instead he loved me and drew himself or drew myself to him. And that's a beautiful thing to think about. And so I want to encourage you, that's something that Apostle Paul wants you to understand, is how wide, how deep, how broad his love is for all of us. Know the vastness of God's love. And know the love of Christ, specifically, and have all fullness of God. 
verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you might be fooled up to all fullness of God. I don't know what you want me to say. There's no greater prayer you could possibly pray for somebody than to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Read that again and understand what he's saying. I want you to know the love of Christ. And then he says that it surpasses all knowledge. Does does nobody else see that? I want you to know the love of Christ, but that love surpasses all knowledge. Some people might already think they understand Christ's love perfectly. You know, because God sent his one and only son, and that son died a gruesome death for all mankind. And that God would love us and chose us and drew us by his great love for us. But what Apostle Paul is saying is that even if you catch just the outside of his love, just meaning you see the surface layer of it all, you will never be able to comprehend all of God's love. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, which means it passes my comprehension level. And so if I understand some of God's love, it means that even what I understand, God has more that he can show me. And I'll liken it to this, is that, you know, when you have your first child, you got two, but first child, you think, like, that first child, you love that child to death, like, man, you couldn't imagine loving another child until you hold that child in your arms. When you hold Estelle's brother or sister in your your arms, you're going to, God's going to create in you a love that you don't have. He's going to expand your love. For us, I mean, you know, we had a son at late in the game, unplanned, but yet God-given. And, you know, God just does a miraculous thing. He expands our love. We thought we knew what love was. We thought we had, you know, love for our three other sons and that God was done with us. But then he gives us a fourth child and your love then expands and it grows. And so you're able to love each one of these children uniquely and specially. And then you love them for who they are. It's amazing. God gives you, he expands the love you have. And what Paul is saying partly here is, he wants you to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. Which means that if God begins revealing more to you about God's love, about his love specifically for you, your family, your children, your children's children, and everybody around you, that once you understand, you think you got that, God would then expand your heart to love more and love others and love more deeply. You'll never be able to fully comprehend God's love on this side of eternity. You could read every book on love and still not understand Christ's love for us. You could spend every second meditating on God's love, read every verse on the Bible, and you'll never come to the end of it because God's love surpasses all knowledge. 
So caught in this dilemma, Paul still prays that you would know this love. I want to encourage you online. I mean, I know most of the people here tonight, but you online, I have no idea who's listening. In your mind, you might have it perfectly figured out that, hey, I know everything about God. I know everything about the story about Jesus and his love. And we're praying for you. It says here to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. For us that know Christ, we should appreciate it. We should adore it. We should treasure it. And we should love God in return. And so that's just a question for some of us to think about and ponder. Do I love Christ more than blank? Do I love Christ more than my career? Do I love Christ more than my children? Do I love Christ more than money? Do I love Christ more than my spouse? Do I love Christ more than my own life? If you could possibly grow in your love for God and specifically learn more of the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge and continue to grow in this capacity, the end result in verse 19 and the ultimate goal of it all is that you would be filled up to all fullness of God. And that is really the end result that probably will never be filled on this side of, the, of eternity. But it's definitely something that we're striving for. It's something that we are going for or trying to strive for is that we want to be filled with all the fullness of God. We want to be complete and lacking nothing. And that should be every Christian's endeavor. That's the purpose of you waking up and trying to grapple with God and his word and trying to read it for yourself and understand it. It's the reason why you bow your head and you talk to God and you plead with him to open up the eyes and the ears of your heart and your mind so that you can receive new things from God. It's the reason why you keep serving God even though you want to stop serving God. It's the reason why you stay committed to God when other people around you do not love God at all. It's the reason why you keep hoping in things you cannot see because you want to continue being filled with all the fullness of God. The world cannot comprehend Christ's love, this great love that he has because it cannot fully understand Christ. Because what they see is worldly love, and worldly love is based usually on attraction, and therefore lasts as long as the attraction lasts. But Christ's love is based on himself and his own nature, and therefore lasts forever, for all eternity. Worldly love usually lasts until it's been offended or rebuffed, but Christ's love lasts to, even despite of what offense or what has happened to it, Christ's love remains. 
Worldly love usually lasts or wants or usually handles on to what it can get. But Christ's love is for what it can give. And so what is unattainable to the world is attainable to us because it's just normal living for the child of God. The question you have is, do you know this love tonight? I'm not asking you, do you know about Jesus? Do you know the love of God through Jesus tonight? As Paul prayed for us, we're all praying for you. We're praying that you would put your faith in Christ and make him your Lord and Savior. And after repenting of your sin and following Christ, we pray that your heart, your mind, and your soul would be rooted and grounded in Christ's love. And I can hear it. I don't know if you can hear it, but I I can hear it somewhere, somewhere in the interwebs. I, I can hear it. The grand objection coming out from the back. How could God love me yet allow so much suffering in my life? You know, because we were talking about this everlasting love. We're talking about how powerful this God, God's love is. And what has evil done to some of us? It's always plagued mankind, even from the beginning. But only God's love can somehow heal that hurt and that brokenness and that emptiness. Only God's love and what he has in store for those who love him can make any sense of the tragedy of this life. You might have experienced enough hurt for a lifetime, but God's love is still everlasting. From beginning to end, God's love remains unchanged. And so I'm just praying. I'm praying alongside of Apostle Paul is that you would know this love. You would experience it in real and meaningful ways. And that you would be filled by it to all the fullness of God. And so what you do with that hurt and that pain is you don't bury it. You don't ignore it. You don't act like it never happened. You bring it to God. In prayer, you know, there's no physical place you go to to bring pain to God. Just where you are, you know, wherever you are, you just bring it to God. And you talk to him. And you ask him, God, I have so much anger towards you for what has happened to me. But you say you love me. I doubt that seriously. But if you can heal me, and if you can help me, I'll put my faith in you. Despite all this, despite all of what's happened, 
Would you help me to know your love for me? And that's what I would do if I was you. Because the opposite of what you could do is just act like God doesn't exist. And keep holding on to all that hatred and pain and hurt. Where God invites you to cast all your hurt and your pain upon him. Because he cares for you. And you can either receive that or you can just reject it. But at the end of the day, you still got to live this life. And there's only one offering you his love. That's God. So if that's you tonight, would you bow your heads with me? And we're going to pray. I want to pray for you personally. I don't, again, I don't know what you possibly have gone through and where your heart is tonight. But I want to pray for you. The worship team's going to come back up. We're going to sing a song. But let me pray for you. Bow your heads with me. And just pray along with me, and if nothing else in thought, but if you want to repeat some of these words, that's fine. Dear God, you know what I've experienced in this life. A lot of hurt, a lot of pain. I've been done wrong by a lot of people, and I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm mad. But Lord... Your word says that you have a love for me, an everlasting love. And I haven't felt that type of love all my life or for a very long time. God, I don't understand all the things that have happened, but Lord, I'm asking that you would fill my heart with your love. I accept Jesus. I put my faith in him as the one who paid the penalty for all mankind's sin, for that person who hurt me, who did those evil things, Christ died for him. But also Christ died for me. Christ died for me, for my sin. And so God, I receive Jesus tonight. And I cast my hurt, my pain upon him. And I ask, oh God, that you'd fill my heart. You would take away this hatred and bitterness and anger, and you would replace it with your love. Help me to continue on. Help me to have peace. Help me, Father, to have hope. Help me to live the life you want me to live. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the ICC podcast. We're looking forward to more ways we can offer resources to help equip you to apply God's word onto your life. We want you to always know that God is present, God is for us, and that we are here for you. So if you have a need or a prayer request, please reach out to us at prayers at iccva.org. And again, for more info and to get connected, you can visit iccva.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram.